Have you ever felt alone? And I don't just mean because everyone's on holiday for the summer. But have you ever truly felt alone? Or have you ever felt left out? Have you ever felt as though maybe other people are really enjoying really meaningful, great relationships and you feel like, man, I just don't have that? Have you ever experienced loneliness? All of us can feel alone from time to time, whether you are married, whether you are single, whether you work in an office that is huge or in a very small office, whether you live alone or whether you live in an accommodation with a lot of people or a large family, your life setting really doesn't make a difference. All of us can have moments or seasons of feeling alone. It's a universal experience. It's an emotion that we can all feel. Today we're continuing in our teaching series through the Psalms, a series called Uplifted, a journey through the Psalms. We're talking about various different emotions and having emotions, we learned this last week as we began this summer series, having emotions is part of being human. So to be human is to have feelings, to have emotions. And we talked about, again, last week, that emotion, by definition, are feelings that express your beliefs and also influence your motives and your actions. So they're very strong feelings, but the more than that, they also impact how we think and what we do. And so the, the theme of this series called Uplifted is, and it's on the screen here, that as we internalize God's truth, our emotions will be transformed and we'll worship Jesus more authentically. So that's the goal, is that we would hear God's word when God is revealed and on Friday mornings when we gather. That is the prayer, that is the aim, is that God, His glory would be revealed as we read His word. As we sing his word, as we hear it preached, that he is revealing himself, and then we are to respond to that revelation with worship. And so this series is focusing on how when we internalize God's truth, what happens then is our emotions are further transformed. And so the prayer is that we would have an uplifted summer, that we would be focusing on having our souls truly lifted up as we learn how to cultivate and how to maintain healthy and godly emotions that reflect the glory of God rather than distort His glory. And so today we're talking about the emotion of loneliness, these feelings of feeling like you're all alone, that all of us can from time to time experience. And we'll be looking at this by by meditating on Psalm 13. So if you have your Bibles, please turn there to the 13th Psalm as we consider what God's Word has for us today, I do want to give you just a little bit of information to help you, maybe this is new to you, how to better understand psalms. Most psalms have a title or a header. And so this one, for example, says, To the choir master, a psalm of David. And so when you read the title of of the psalm, it usually can help you understand the historical context of what was happening, maybe who composed it or what it was used for. And so this Psalm 13, for example, it says to the choir master. So what that tells us is that it was used, much like this morning, for public worship gatherings of God's people. This was a poem. It's a song 
that was sung corporately when God's people gathered together in the temple, in the courts. And so this was something that was used, written by King David. So it says that Psalm of David. For his people to be encouraged and to see God revealed and learn how to better follow him. So let's read Psalm 13 together. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Amen. This psalm is majestic. It is beautiful. And what it does here, it lets us get a little peephole look into the life of King David. We don't know the circumstances. We know that it was written by David. It was sung by all of God's people together. But we we don't know the exact circumstances in which David was writing this poem. So we don't know what was happening. We know that David had hard times. Times our enemies would attack where his son, like last week, would revolt against him when there were many times that things happened to him that were difficult for David. But what we do see here very clearly is that his soul is in anguish. He is in absolute agony. He felt alone and he felt abandoned and forgotten by God. And he's in the pits of despair. And in the middle of this absolute anguish, King David turns to God. So let's look at the main idea, the primary truth as we do every week of every text. What is God revealing to us? In short, he's revealing that God comforts his people when they feel alone. And so let's look at this a little bit more closely because that's what we're learning here is that God comforts his people when they feel alone. Praise be to our God in heaven who comforts us. As we read earlier out of John 14, he's given us his Holy Spirit, He has not left us as orphans. He is with us, and we have His presence. And so what we see here is that He comforts us, even when life is very painful and when we feel alone. And so there are three primary truths here in this psalm. The first two, the next two, and the last two verses are like couplets. And so let's look at these together, and let's look at these three truths about Loneliness. The first two verses, this first one, is on comprehending loneliness. So before you can ever hope to overcome these feelings that David is expressing, all of us can express, you have to understand what's going on. And so we have great insight in these first two verses and better understanding to comprehending this human emotion of loneliness. First two verses, let's read them again. And try to hear what God would say to you, and have you ever experienced this in your own way? Hear the pain in David. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow 
in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Four times. How long? How long? How long? How long will it take? And he says, how long first, he says, will you forget me forever? He feels like God has completely forgotten him. He says, how long will you hide your face from me? He so desires to experience God's presence, and he feels like God has forgotten him. He feels that God is hiding from him. And so you just hear the anguish in David's words that the Spirit revealed for him to compose. This mighty warrior king, David, is struggling with feeling alone. And he says, how long was I to counsel in my soul? So if you think about that, you're like, well, I'm not sure what that means. How long was I to take advice in my soul? You're thinking, well, I don't really know what that means. Now, let me give you a very good tool to better understand poems. The Psalms are poems. But it's not just the Psalms. There's poetry throughout the Bible, even in the New Testament. Whenever you read poetry, specifically here in the Psalms, usually in most Psalms, you'll see what's called parallelism, where you have two parallel thoughts. Now, this is very important because understanding these parallel thoughts helps you to unlock the meaning of what you're reading. It's important that we not just read it, but that we make observations. What does God's Word say? And then we ask, well, what does God's word mean? And then lastly, how must I change in light of it? So the application. So to better understand the meaning of God's word, especially when you're looking at Psalms, you have to look at parallel thoughts. So for those of us a little bit slow, including me, all right, I struggle. I read this over and over like, God, what does this mean? Well, you get two chances. This is great. For those who are a little bit slow, when you read Psalms, the second line that's parallel to the first line repeats and emphasizes the meaning. So the same meaning is repeated twice on back-to-back lines. And so he says in verse 2, How long must I take counsel in my soul? You're like, I don't really know what that means. Read the parallel, the next line, it'll help you understand the previous one. And have sorrow in my heart all the day. So, okay, so he's saying that this taking counsel is creating sorrow in his heart. And so it's connected, and so he's reaffirming that. So now that we know that this taking counsel is a bad thing, this is a negative thing, because he's saying that it's sorrow, it helps us to go back and think, oh, okay, so something to do with he's looking at himself, counsel, his thoughts, his plans, in his own mind, in his own soul, is a source of sorrow for him. He feels like God is not listening to him. He feels like God is not speaking to him. He feels like he's got no answers. And the only place he can look is inside of himself to try to find the answers. And he's like, I've been left to myself to take counsel in my own mind. And it's not working. You see, we live in a world that would tell us, just look inside of yourself. Look into your own heart and Affirm your own self and find inner peace as you look into yourself. Ever heard that kind of language? Sure we have. Look inside. Well, David is doing that. What is he finding? Sorrow. No answer. No hope. No peace. No joy. Nothing 
good as he's looking in himself and trying to make sense of life on his own reason, his own understanding. Because what we need is revelation more than our reason. We need God to speak to us. And so our life must be based on God's revealed word. Any reason that we have is as we, through his Spirit's help, we discern what he's revealed in his word. And so what you see here is that he's taking counsel, he's looking at himself, and he's seeing pain and sin. That's what we see inside of ourselves, if we're really honest. Looking at ourselves isn't helpful. Now, to examine what we're thinking and so forth, of course that's good. But to try to find hope and purpose and meaning and joy, you won't find that. But looking inside of yourself, just like David could not. And so there's these circumstances that are very painful, very difficult. You can hear it in his voice. You can hear the agony. And he feels alone and rejected and abandoned by God. And then this first section, this couple of this second verse ends with, How long shall my enemy be exalted, lifted up over me? So how long am I down here and the enemy has this boot on my throat? How long? How long will I have my enemies around me? He's feeling defeated. Have you ever felt defeated? Have you ever felt beaten down? Where you look around and it seems as though the enemy is around you and you're in a corner and you feel like there's just no way out. And there's the enemy celebrating the fact that you're defeated. And you let David cry out, God, don't hide your face from me. I'm desperate for your presence. Have you ever felt truly alone and as though there is nothing but despair around you? Difficult circumstances can push us to that. Again, we don't know the specifics of David, but if you look in our own lives, I'm sure you can identify moments in your life where you have felt similar emotions of being alone. Maybe if you're a young person and you're still in school, maybe being bullied at school. That can help you feel like, man, there's nothing around me. I'm I'm alone being bullied. Or or maybe you're feeling bullied at work. Maybe your boss is just impossible. He doesn't respect you or value your contributions and you feel like you're alone. I've talked to many moms that when they first entered motherhood, when they were in a career, they were, they were being productive in society and so forth, and they have a child, and now they're staying at home, and they haven't realized that they're contributing even more to society by raising their child staying at home. We talked a few weeks ago on glorifying God through our work and how being a mother is one amazing way to reflect God's glory and to invest in others, and yet you talk to many moms that their husbands at work all day and they have an infant at home all day and they feel pretty alone. No adult conversation. Just babbling to your child all day. And it can be a lonely situation in some, in some scenarios. Death of a spouse can put someone in a position of feeling very lonely. You know what? Summer is kind of weird in Abu Dhabi. Like all of your, your friends are gone. And my children are feeling the sting of loneliness with all their friends. My little girl who is so 
bubbly, always hanging out with her friends. Just an hour ago, we were here early, and she would look at me, she was like, Daddy, I don't like summer. And I was like, me neither. But it's okay, God is still here. She misses all her friends. And so it can happen to any of us. Things can happen in our lives that are difficult. I could give more examples, but you get my point, that we can all have difficult things that happen to us that we just feel like, God, where are you? And I feel alone. So as we're trying to comprehend how we feel and comprehend, understand this loneliness, here's the key. Here's the key to understanding, comprehending your loneliness, is that your loneliness comes from a deep desire for meaningful relationships. It's God-given. It's hardwired into your consciousness because you bear the image of God. And so your loneliness is coming from somewhere deep inside of you because you were made by God and you have a deep desire for meaningful relationships. And so David here felt very far from God. He was made to know and enjoy God like we were. And he feels so distant. How long will you hide your face from me? He wanted to experience God's presence. But he kept looking into himself. And it kept pushing him further away from the God that he loves. So you were made for a relationship with God to reflect his glory in this thing called worship. And worship is enjoying God. That's what it is. Valuing him more than anything else. And so by looking at himself, he was pushing himself even further away and being more distant from his creator. So David here is struggling. He feels alone and abandoned, forgotten and rejected. And this can be a very common human experience. The question isn't, will you feel alone? Because all of us go from time to time. The question is, how will we respond? When we feel alone. Which is the second truth in the second couple of verses is confronting loneliness. So first you have to comprehend it. That you were made for a relationship with God. You have to understand that. Have it at the front of your mind. And, but then secondly here, you have to confront. So confronting your loneliness. Verses 3 and 4. How do you respond to this? David says, Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David felt alone, but he didn't stay there. He confronted, he went face to face with his loneliness. And if you're struggling with feeling alone, you have to be honest with the fact that you feel that. And he cries out. He cries out saying, Oh, God, consider and answer me. What is he doing here? How is he confronting these emotions? Is he sitting there crying? Maybe he was. It doesn't say. But he took action. What did he do? He prayed. He went to God. He said, God, answer me. He stopped looking inside of himself, started to look upwards and look to his glorious Father in heaven, he started to pray. And so the key here to confronting your loneliness is prayer. Confronting loneliness with prayer. He cried out to God. 
So praying hand in hand with meditating on God's word. As you read it slowly and you focus your thinking and you experience God's presence manifested in your life as you have your heart close to Christ's prayer and meditation as you're reading his word. This is the key to overcoming unhealthy emotions, including loneliness. His words and these two verses are incredible. He says, God, hear me, answer me. Light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I have prevailed over him. Lest my foes rejoice because I am shaken. David is desperate. He's desperate to hear from God. He wants God's direction. Light up my eyes. I want to see you. I want to see what you're doing in my life. I want clarity. I want to know you as we sung, knowing you, Jesus. He wants to know God. He wants to see Him. He wants to live in light of Him. And He says, I'll despair. I'll die if I don't have you. God, if you don't show up, I got nothing. God, if you don't show up, I'll I'll sleep the sleep of death. It's like, I'm going to die of this despair if I don't have you. You, he feels surrounded by his enemies and he sees nowhere to turn. And so what does he do? He comes face to face with this reality and he prays to God and he begs God for his presence. The problem is that many people that are struggling with loneliness, so lonely people a lot of times tend to not do this. They don't want to confront loneliness. They don't want to come face to face with the reality. Instead, they want to run and they want to hide from it. And so how does the average person run and hide from their loneliness? Well, one thing, you can watch a lot of TV. You could numb yourself by watching hours of mindless television. You could play a lot of video games. That has become a major one, and especially with younger generation, playing hours of video games. Numbing. Or you could just stay busy with, again, mindless activities. Just to stay busy, just so that your mind doesn't have to come to the reality that you are struggling with something. Some people just sleep a lot. I mean, they get up for work. But as soon as they can, they're right back in bed. And so sleeping more than what's necessary is another sign of wanting to just numb this pain. And so when you have loneliness as a habitual pattern, a way of living, of always just feeling alone, let me ask you this question. And you need to ask yourself this question. Is am I close to Jesus? Am I close to Jesus? Because if you're not, if you're not following him, then you're, you're not, you're not going to have victory over these enemies that we're reading about here. You're not going to have victory. You're, you're going to stay feeling alone. The key here is prayer. Spending time intentionally with Christ. We fight back. But how do you fight back? You don't run away and numb it. You fight back. You confront it. How? With prayer. 
Fight the negative thoughts. Fight the lies. Fight against the enemy with prayer, as David did. Stop looking at yourself and look up to Christ. And so we're talking about these three truths on loneliness. The first one is comprehending loneliness. And the second one here is confronting your loneliness. And the third one, the last two verses, is conquering your loneliness. So overcoming, conquering your loneliness. Verses 5 and 6. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. And I love this poem. It's amazing. It begins as though he's in a wintry, cold, I don't know, I winter. I, snow area here, there's no winter, right? You know, there's just hot and then not as hot. But here, he starts off and he's in the snow and it's winter and he's alone and he's cold. And then how does it end? It ends and it's summer. Not as hot as it is here, maybe like 28 degrees summer, right? It's perfect weather. He's enjoying God's presence. What you see here is him drawing near to God in the middle of painful circumstances. And he's experiencing joy. He goes from despair, verses 1 and 2, to delight in the end. He goes from sinking to singing. He's, he's going from absolute pain to praise. This is what you see in these few verses. The transformation that the Spirit of God does when we stop looking in ourselves and look up to God and we draw near to Him and we can conquer this. We can conquer it. Just like David did. He starts in this pit of loneliness, but then he ends on the mountaintop of experiencing God's presence where there's rejoicing and He's singing. And so when we sing for Jesus, all we're doing is expressing what's inside. This gratitude for our salvation. And God is so good to us. And praise be to Him who comforts us even when we feel alone. You have to believe this. That God really cares about your loneliness. He cares. He cares if you feel alone. And he doesn't want you to live like that. He didn't make you to be alone. What is the key here to overcoming, to conquering these negative feelings that come from the enemy? The key here is God's redemption empowers you to overcome loneliness. God's redemption is it empowers you to overcome it. Well, why do I say that? Is that in the text? Yes, it is. Verse 5 says, I have trusted in your steadfast Love. Now, that word steadfast, sometimes translated loving kindness, that steadfast love is referring to God's faithful love that was revealed at Mount Sinai. Now, we went through the book of Exodus. Now, a lot of you are new. This is Abu Dhabi. I understand that. But we worked through the book of Exodus last September through January. And so if you can think back to what we studied in the book of Exodus series that we called Redemption, we learn how the Israelites were in slavery. They were suffering far from God. And God took the initiative. God heard their cries, and he liberated them. He redeemed them. The word redeem means to liberate from slavery. So God freed them from slavery, he, and then he took them to Mount Sinai, 
where he then revealed himself to them and they entered into a relationship. And the covenants that was given there, this law, Ten Commandments, which is a summary of it, was defining this new relationship of the redeemed living with their Redeemer. And so this is steadfast love. It shows God's faithfulness, how He redeemed us from our slavery. And you see, again, the parallel in the next phrase. I've trusted in your steadfast love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. Again, it's emphasizing. It's a parallel. Same meaning. Steadfast love points to His salvation, our redemption. And so what we see here is that we belong to God. He has saved us and enters into a relationship with us. And John 14 reminds us that His Spirit is with us and in us. And we're not alone. We're not alone. You're not alone. You have been redeemed. You have been adopted and chosen and sealed by the Spirit. And we are being sustained by Him until that day when He calls us home. We will be glorified together with Him. And so what does this do when we contemplate, when we focus on our redemption and how amazingly gracious God has been to us? What does this do in us? It prompts us to do what in verse 6? Sing! We sing for joy, no matter the circumstances. We can sing for joy, because God is with us. You are not alone. You are not alone. And not only that, but he's blessed with the faith family. He's blessed you with this church, where you don't have to follow God alone. You have him, and you have your heart knit together with others that love him too. And so we do this together, just like this psalm was sung together. This is what we're about, glorifying God by making and developing disciples together. And so last week, as we were considering these things, we talked about the path to transformed emotions. We applied it to anger last week. Today, let's apply it to this emotion of feeling alone, to loneliness. Remember from last week, the path to transformed emotions, the first one is honest evaluation. So if you want to have transformed emotions, the first step is have an honest evaluation. You have to ask yourself and be honest. Are you lonely? Ask myself, do I struggle with feeling this? And if the answer is yes, Well, are you numbing it with mindless activity? Have you really realized that you were made to enjoy God and others? Which is why the great commandment is, love, Lord your God, by your heart, mind, soul, strength, and neighbor as yourself. And so we're to love God and love others. And we do that as an act of worship. So you were made for relationship with God and others. So how are your relationships? What is the quality of your relationships? Are all of your relationships just on the surface where no one really knows you? Are there people that know your struggles? Who knows what you're going through? I would hope if you're married, minimum your spouse. And if not, 
Start there. And if you are married, you need others besides your spouse. And if you're single, then you desperately need this because you don't have a spouse to be there to remind you of what you do wrong, which is a blessing from God. It's good. We need meaningful relationships. Do you have any? Honest evaluation. Second step towards transforming emotions is faith and repentance. We talked talk about this last week. If you have anger, you have to repent of that sin. Well, loneliness. When we're talking about faith and repentance, understand that that is the response to the gospel. Jesus says in Mark 1, the kingdom of God is at hand, the time is fulfilled, repent and believe in the gospel. Repent and believe. Faith and repentance is the response to God's good news. Jesus, who died on the cross in our place, he took our judgment, our guilt, our sin was literally poured on, transferred onto the holy and sinless body of Jesus. He died in your place with our sin nailed to him. So what you see here with Jesus on the cross, as he was hanging there, bearing our sin, and as we sung, how deep the Father's love, the Father turns his face away. Why? Why did the Father turn his face away? Because at that moment, Jesus, who knew no sin, became sin. And so at that point, the relationship with the Father and the Son was broken. For the first time in eternity, past or future, for that brief but excruciating moment, Jesus cries out, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because of our sin. And so Jesus experienced rejection from the Father. Jesus experienced loneliness. On the cross, he was all alone. His friends were scattered. His father turned his back. And so Jesus experienced the ultimate loneliness. He experienced rejection from the Father. Why? To redeem us. To display his glory by redeeming sinners like you and me. Jesus knows loneliness. He experienced it in the ultimate sense. He experienced God's rejection in that moment so that you and I would not have to experience rejection. So that we can now be accepted and welcomed with open arms. And the Father now will not reject you because he already rejected Jesus on the cross. You don't have to be alone. And the truth be told, if you're a believer in Jesus, you are not alone. So you reaffirm your trust in Jesus and you repent of saying, God, you're not with me. David turned his faith to God and we must do the same. And so the path to transfer emotions, the first one is honest evaluation, faith and repentance. And the last step in this path is focus on truth. We focus on truth. So if you're a believer in Jesus, remember what we read earlier in John 14, that you have his spirit. You are not alone. He is with you and he is in you. 
so we feel alone, all you have to do is just draw near to his presence, and you will feel his spirit once again active inside of you. Look to him, not to yourself. But don't forget that God is saving us as a community, which means you need other people in your life to encourage you and to hold you up. You cannot do this alone. Some of you are trying, and you're failing. You can't follow Jesus alone. And coming on Friday mornings isn't enough. It's great, it's important, but it's not enough. You need more. You need meaningful relationships. You need people to know you. You need to be known by others. So you need to join a home group as one next step. Now, some of you don't want that. You're terrified of a home group. You don't want to be known because you know that you're struggling. And you fear that if you go to a home group or you open up to other people, then everyone's going to know that you're not perfect and you have struggles. Because everyone else has it all together. Well, let me give you some news here. None of us have it together. None of us have it all together. We are all strugglers. We are all people that are beggars that have found bread, the bread of life, and we're just saying, come, follow me. I know where the bread is. I don't have it, but I know where it is. Come with me and get some. We're all in this together. And if you're trying to do it alone, apart from community, you're not going to succeed. And I say that because God designed us to do it together. That's why we have local churches, because we need to do this together. And so for some of you, you need to take a risk. Join a home group. And share when you go. Don't just sit there staring around with your arms crossed, saying, oh, I don't want to be here. My wife brought me. No, go and engage. Get to know people. Be vulnerable. I'm not saying share everything on the first meeting, but I am saying within appropriate boundaries, be transparent. We must do this. God has designed us for this. Don't be afraid. You're going to be accepted. You're going to be loved, and you're going to grow. You're going to experience God's presence so much more. So the path to having transformed emotions is to have an honest evaluation. Faith and repentance. And lastly, your focus on truth. Meditate on truth. Spend time, as we talked about, pondering truth. Fight against the lies. If you feel alone, remember that your God in heaven loves you. And if you're a believer in Jesus, his spirit is in you. And you have brothers and sisters to follow him with. If you're here today, though, and you have never repented and believed, which is the only response to this gospel, then you don't have his spirit. And you're my friend, but you're not my brother or my sister. Because I'll call you brother and sister when we have the same father in heaven. And God is not your father unless you receive his son as your savior. And he can do this today. We can reaffirm our faith in him if you are a believer today and resolve to have transformed emotions, 
you're never alone. Can you pray with me? Father, we worship you today. We desire to worship you in spirit and in truth. For you alone are worthy. You are worthy of our lives, of our allegiance. You are worthy of our whole being. We admit to you that we are not worthy, but we approach you only because of what Christ did on the cross for us, paying the price, enduring your rejection so that we can be accepted by you. And we praise you that we are never alone. We are not orphans. You are our Father. I do pray for those in this room that maybe don't understand this or have never come to the point of truly repenting and placing their complete trust in you for their salvation. I pray that you would reveal yourself to them today and that they would respond to you. I ask that we'd be a church that has a passion and a zeal for your glory and that we would do it together and not alone. Thank you. Thank you for your love and for our redemption. And we praise you for it in the name of our Redeemer, Jesus. Amen.